Welcome to this week's Leader's Guide for the Winter Quarter of Life Groups. This resource is provided to help you prepare and effectively lead your group. For your convenience, you can also download a written version of this guide under Leader Tools at northcoastchurch.com groups. So let's join Pastor Dave Enns now as he introduces this week's material. Greetings, leaders, and welcome to week number eight of Life Groups. And so the end of the quarter is just about here. So again, hope it's been uh, just a great seven weeks prior to this. So here's the deal as we're wrapping up the quarter. We have got to find out, if you have not told us already, what are your plans for your Life Group in the spring quarter. So in other words, what we need is to verify your roster for you to communicate with us when you submit your attendance this week saying no changes. Oh yes, there are going to be changes. You go, Dave, well, I don't need to put anything if there is no changes. No, we need to verify that you're saying no changes. And so, and knowing how many openings we have is so important. All of our life group teams on all of our campuses and around the nation are trying to figure out, are we going to have enough openings for the many new people that have been joining North Coast over these last few months to join a group? And so please let us know on that. And then also, please take some time yourself just to go, hey, God, praying for us and our church that we can create places for people to connect in life groups. And that means also that we can raise up new leaders and new hosts, again, whether that's online, in person, around the nation, or here in our area of uh, the San Diego greater uh, and greater Southern California area. So again, such an important piece here and where we're at. So um, please be doing that for us. So uh, that is one of the big goals for this next week. Go, Dave, can I wait till next week? Please do not do that. That would, that, uh, that is a, that would be an challenge, extra challenge for us. So please let us know on that. And then also, you want to begin to talk about Serve Your City. And if you're like, Dave, I'm not sure what you're talking about, that means you were not at or listened to one of this weekend's message or you're not on our campus. So it is the big thing that's coming. And Dave, we're six weeks out, really? And the answer is yes, really, because we have to have people beginning to sign up now. So if you're new to North Coast, you go, tell me about it. Serve Your City is a three-week emphasis about reaching our community. We've got three themes there, give, serve, and love. And we end it with canceling all of our services that meet in person and going out and doing community service projects throughout our community. And we have developed many of them for you to try, but can you try your own? Of course you can, and you can check that out, but we've got set up all kinds of different options based on your campuses, and there uh, you've gotten an email this week, and if you did not get it, you can go onto our leader guide page here that uh, gives you different links that you began to check out. And those that are national and beyond, you're going, are there projects for us? And the answer is is yes, there are. And you can go online also. Just make sure that you use the filter um, when it says find a campus. You're going, I don't have a campus. Oh, yes, you do. We call you the nationwide campus. And you'll see options that you can do that you can create your own or some potential other ones that also you can tie in to us, us as a church and other ones that may even be around your surrounding areas. So 
it's so exciting it's been one of the key things that has impact uh, taken north coast impact here in our community to the next level and so that's just a quick overview and again you're going to be hearing more and more about that but make sure you check that out for us so verify your rosters oh and then the other one is if you've got any potential leaders or hosts or you've got this sense of god maybe even calling you hey i'm i got somebody to lead and host mine i may be able to launch out in another one please let us know that let your put that on your attendance report or call and text your life group pastor right away well, leaders, uh, I am now going to turn it over to Scott Horner, and uh, Scott is going to take you through this week's Homework Helps. Here's Scott. Hey, leaders. Oh, so excited for this week, um, especially after what an awesome message that Chris gave, just really walking us through the reality of our past, the freedom that God offers, and the invitation to make much of His name through that. I mean, this is this is a big deal. This is an awesome message, and so for this week's homework, we're just gonna we're gonna jump right into this. But uh, starting off with that quick review, uh, man, anything new, uh, challenging, confusing, uh, awesome that maybe anyone in your group really just wanted to jump right into. This is one of those questions that we always have, but because it's always there, I think sometimes we can miss the the beauty of hey, let's just like hang out even here reflecting on the the sermon right so that's the hope of the the next couple questions and but um but if you just are are there awesome so uh going to the my story do you have an embarrassing story that will that that uh, when it happened was horrifying but you laugh about and share openly now i love this question i mean i have you know times when i tripped and fell in school or tripped jumping over a fence because i thought i was really cool and was going to make it and in front of everyone and and i can laugh about those things now but man when i was in high school or middle school when those things happened like they were the worst things in my life and so uh that's just like a really really fun easy question to kind of get us laughing as we reflect on our past uh, and really just to grow even as a as a group right reflecting on on just um humor in our lives this is how we can build uh man ties and relational strength in in some of that so next my story question is guilt and shame are identity thieves and this is just a real statement like when we focus on those things our guilt and our shame they rob us of who we are and so this question do you have a story from your life or a friend or family whose identity was stolen what happened uh, maybe you've had a time where you've checked a bank account and you've seen purchases that were never made and all of a sudden you have to deal with the bank or your um credit card or maybe you know your identity was stolen or you have someone's know someone's identity was stolen uh, this is really cool and, and the point of this question is to help us see that it's really never fun to have to deal with stolen identity or when things are stolen in general right or when our credit card number is stolen or whatever um, and guilt and shame are those things and they have done that and we don't always realize when we're living in those places just the damage that is done and what they really have robbed us from so that's the point of the question to kind of tie those things together you as a leader have the opportunity to kind of man make that connection piece for those in your group uh digging deeper i i, I love what we're going to do here together this week uh, uh because 
we looked at the woman at the well and Chris took us into a deeper understanding of the freedom offered to us as Christians from that guilt and shame that we carry. Uh, we're going to look at these two different men and look at two different passages who we know have experienced guilt and shame. And then on the flip side, uh, live in the complete freedom and redemption that God has extended to them. The first person we're going to look at is King David. Uh, we spent, you know, all of last year, basically walking through the life of David and really seeing that God is the main uh, character, a hero in that story, not David, because his life was shame-filled. Uh, man, he messed up, rebelled, and just broke down over and over again. And we see this psalm, Psalm 25, uh, that that David just makes it clear that this relationship with God is a two-way street. And so we're going to have uh, our leaders, or not, we're going to have our groups and ourselves write down, hey, what does God agree to do? And what do we agree to do? Um, and this is really cool. Your your list of what God agrees to do is probably going to massively outshadow uh, what David agrees to do. David's list, um, our list is probably going to have things like, man, be humble, uh, learn, be have a, a open attitude of learning, trusting God, waiting on him. Um, that's that's really passive, where God is very much more active. And so that's the point. God does the heavy lifting and bringing us out of our shame and our guilt and putting us on solid ground that is free. So um, really awesome list to look at. And, and that next kind of question off of that is, man, which of those two, one or two items uh, that God agrees to do spoke most to you about how he views your past, your shame, your guilt? And then why were those things significant? Um, an additional question that you might want to ask is, have you ever seen God honor some of those things that he's agreed to already in your life? Man, examples may be like, oh man, I, God did teach me. I, this is when he taught me some of these things. Or man, I really felt him guard my soul in this place as I walked through this stuff. And this is what it was like for me. So it's just an additional question if you want to ask it, kind of like, where have we already seen God fulfill those promises? Next kind of follow-up question with the Psalm 25 is uh, that this was a poem that David wrote about trusting God in God's love for him despite his his shame. Uh, if you or I were to write a poem uh, from God's perspective about us, or what five words would we make sure that we wanted to include? This is just like, hey, what are the words that we would like to, to have in that poem or in that whatever that we know that this is how God views us? Maybe it's maybe there might be some some not so flattering words. We feel God views us as pathetic or broken, but but these are this is a place for you as a leader to really kind of offer encouragement and if necessary to speak truth over those in our groups who may be living in past shame, past guilt. And in and like we saw this message speak the truth of what God says about them. Because what God says about us is the most true thing about us. Regardless of what we think we believe or know or, or feel about ourselves, if God says something differently, he is right and we are wrong. This is, this is an incredible gift to us. And so you as a leader get to kind of um, encourage that, boister where people are, man, thinking rightly of themselves, but then also encourage and correct where people may be thinking wrongly about themselves in their new identity in Christ. So really awesome stuff there. Next sort of train of thought, next person we're going to look at, next passage is we're going to look at Peter. 
Peter was a disciple who followed Jesus for three years, then denied ever knowing him as he went to the cross. But Jesus went to him and not only forgave him, but also freed him from his shame. I love that Jesus goes to Peter. He seeks Peter out just like he seeks out this woman at the well. You can read about Peter's denial and how Jesus restores him in Luke 22, 54 through 63. And then the restoration is in John 21, 15 through 17. But part of the power of these questions is grounded in the fact that we know that Peter experienced this shame. His denial and the incredible grace that Jesus shows him by lifting up his head and bolding him and saying like, hey, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you like really affirming this place of who he is now is really awesome. So these questions are grounded in that place, that that broken place, that lifted head place that we get to share in. So the question is this, we all deal with shame and guilt differently, but God makes it clear that those who trust in Christ will never be put to shame. One of the ways this becomes clear is not by focusing on who we were, but who we now are. Which new description of you from 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, um, if you trust in Christ, brings you the most comfort? Why? There's a list of how we are now described and why are those places important for for those in your group? Um, Kind of another question is, one term that points us toward a new way of living in the passage above is that we are called a royal priesthood. Simple definition of a priest is someone who represents to others the awesomeness of God or the excellencies of God. So when you think about living as a priest, how do you think it could play out? Most people can tend to view living as a priest as meaning we're dull or boring even, and it doesn't have to be. I mean, you right now as a leader, weekly inviting those in your group to consider the awesomeness of God. You're acting as a priest. This is really awesome. Just an encouragement to you. And you're acting in that new identity. And you can probably share uh, as a leader that like this isn't dull. This is incredibly awesome, incredibly rewarding. As you see God work in and through your life as he impacts other people, like this is really, really fun, really, really life-giving stuff. And so other ways that we can live as a priest are pretty simple, right? Being hospitable, inviting people over for a meal, sharing um, our time with others. Uh, sometimes we really overcomplicate it. And that's what the next question is. What are ways that you think we overcomplicate what it means to live as a priest? And in what ways do we not take it seriously enough? The beauty of this question is it lets us see both sides. Um, sometimes we can be too rigid, too re- legalistic. Like, oh, it means I read my Bible every single day for four hours and I pray in a prayer closet and I fast every single lunchtime. Like, sometimes we take it too far that says, hey, this is what it means to be a priest. And in other ways, we don't take it seriously enough, right? Like, oh, I can live however I want. Galatians 5.13 talks about this this freedom and what what we're to use it for. So check out that verse if you want to. Um, But so our goal as priests is to make much of God. And so sometimes this this question is going to have a variety of answers to it. Some of us may fall on the, man, I think that I need to be more rigid. And some of us might fall on the fact like, I, I, don't, I don't think I really take this new identity seriously enough as, a, as an ambassador, a representative of Christ, talking about his awesomeness in the way that I live. So the ways that these can play out are really fun, really practical answers. And so press in for some of that practical stuff. And um, the last sort of taking it home or kind of asking that question like, hey, what stood out to you? from this week's sermon or life group discussion that strengthened and affirmed your understanding of your new identity in Christ. Because when we really get this, 
and we really begin to live in a freedom in a place of of newness and freshness as we make much of Jesus. So hope this is a blast, guys. Hope you have great conversation in your groups and looking forward to what God does. All right. Thanks. Later.